We cry out, let the church arise. Let his enemies be scattered in Jesus' name. When one suffers, Daddy, we all suffer. But when one rejoices, we all get to rejoice. Let your spirit rise in your people. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and in every corner of this earth. Come on, if you believe it for whoever you prayed for. If you believe it for the country that you prayed for. If you believe it for the neighbor you prayed for. If you believe it for the child you prayed for. If you call them out by name, if you believe it, church, can you just say amen with me? Just say amen and amen and amen and amen. Come on. Give God glory. Something is going to happen because God's people come together and pray. I do not serve a God who does not answer prayer. I do not serve a God who does not answer prayer. Prayer shakes heaven. If my people who are called by my name will start to pray and seek my face and turn from their ways, I'll hear and I will heal the land. I don't know about you, but that is, the same, that, is it, that is a promise in the same Bible that promises me if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I will go to heaven. So I take God at his word. That's in the same Bible that says if someone is sick, you pray for them, and that prayer offered up in faith will make the sick person well. It's in the same Bible, given by the same God, who's the God of the same promise. So when we say amen, it's not an empty amen. Come on, somebody. It's not just a church thing to do. There's something that should be stirring. Something is stirring in you. Something's stirring in me right now. I hope it is in you as well. Look, before we're being seated, can you just turn to somebody, give them an air high five, tell them it's good to see them. Tell them you love them. Hey, if you're online today, just before we hop into to, 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 to the word, can I just uh, thank you for hopping on with us today. Thank you for being a part of it with us today. What we just prayed, we know there's people from other countries who watch, so what we just prayed, we want to let you know, is for you as well. There's something powerful about knowing you're not alone. There's something powerful about knowing you're not alone. You're not alone. You may be sitting alone watching this. You may be feeling alone because of your quarantine somewhere in the world or somewhere in this country. You are not alone. We are praying with you. We are praying for you. And we are standing in the gap to believe that the God that's in this room is the God who's with you as well. So we want to hear your miracles. We want to hear what God's doing. Uh, check out our link tree. Let us know uh, that you're, you're, you've been praying with us. And we, we're standing together on this together. Church, is that, amen? Is that good? Amen. Well, we're going to hop in. Woo! Danielle just said she can't focus. Hallelujah. This now? Yeah? Yeah, there we go. I know I'm the nightmare of... Everybody blessing us with health and sound. Because I can't see this anymore. So, like, you have to push this until it says, I just, it's, like, it's like a prayer. I just hold it down. <laughs> until it's, and until I pray because I can't see. Hallelujah. Isn't it crazy how we can just say one word, but it's the truth? And God comes in. Oh, Jesus. Like, don't, sometimes don't you feel the weight of of saying the right things in prayer 
to kind of like unlock some secret answer or to unlock a compartment of compassion so God will move yeah. or move quicker. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, I never, I never cease to lose my wonder yeah. about how good God is by just saying his name yes. that he comes near. Oh, no, I'm I'm stirred right now because uh, I know I know that God is moving in this room. It's moving in people and he's moving in people who we just prayed for. And though these things are not empty because we we hear praise reports about these things. Um, not only here at Connect, but we hear about them all over the world. Uh, and it, there's something powerful when God's people pray together. You are not powerless. Let me say it again. You are not powerless. You may not have financial resource. You may not have uh, socioeconomic resource. You may not have all the connections in the world that you need, but you've got the only connection that you need, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God has not left you powerless. You are a powerful force. The Bible says, awake, oh sleeper, awake. It's time, so it's time to wake up. I'll let you go, because I know we gotta, okay. we, we, gotta, we gotta work, we, gotta, we, we have a word. <laughs> There's a scripture that was not the scripture that we were gonna be studying today at all, but it, it stuck out to me, and Kyle suggested that we start with it and to give a, a parameter of what, we're, of what we've been talking about. This is like a continuation. Um, you don't have to have been here the past weeks to understand, um, but if you find that today is something that is feeding you, I would greatly encourage you to go back to the last handful of weeks of teaching because it's, it's very much a stepping stone type of sense. And um, we've been doing what we feel God has been leading us to do as far as understanding the times in which we're living and then teaching us how to live in them. And so the scripture that had stood out to me, um, just to give a frame of reference for this, is in Ephesians 2. And it reads like this. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I had a bunch of different verses, so it's like 2 and and 3. Yep. So you used to live in sin like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Now, I immediately was ruffled by that (laughs) because, like, I can handle if you're saying to me, like, you know, you used to sin. Yeah, right. But when you say obeying the devil, don't you feel like, I don't know if that was obeying the devil. (laughs) Right? Like, don't you want to clean it up? Like, I may have just been listening to my flesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may have been had a weak moment and just showed my humanity. Yes. But why are you connecting obeying the devil (laughs) to this? That's not even the point that I want to make. But um, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. And this is what he drew my attention to. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And if you remember time and time again, we've been 
feeling compelled to remind the church to awaken. Yes. To awaken to beyond what you see. Awaken to beyond what the pandemic has put on us, political unrest has put on us, racial implosion has put on us, financial devastation has put on us, relational breakdown has put on us. All of that is enough yes. to feel a significant weight. But I have been very aware that there is a delayed oppression that I feel like the church is experiencing right now. So it's, it's one thing to- The, the, the capital church. The ca yeah, oh, the yeah, capital, yeah. capital C, the capital church. And here's why, because when everything started to break open, as a believer, didn't you feel a certain amount of responsibility to act like you had it together still? <laughs> Am I the only one that feels any responsibility to make other people <laughs> okay? Still good. So at first, you were like, it's good. God, we're still on the throne. Yeah. It's all going to be all yeah. right. And then the prince of this world yeah. took another step. And then you're like, okay, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's still, it's okay. It's all right. God is still in control. And then like a year and a half into it, yeah. I feel like Christians, believers, those of us even who are trekking through to become disciples, we are feeling a delayed oppression. Mm -hmm. At least we don't maybe call it that though. Maybe we say, I'm really tired. Yep. I'm really burnt out. Yep. And it's like, I'm not saying that you didn't feel it for the last two years, but I'm saying that it's almost like it is, a, it's behind what other people in your life have felt because you have felt maybe a certain responsibility to hold it together for other people. <laughs> and now you're feeling the effects of it. And we forget that this world that we're living in, that we are a part of just for this moment, is not the world. Yes that we are a part of yes. eternally. Yes. So we forget that there are two spiritual camps at work. There are two, one and two, just two. It's the prince of this world, it's the enemy, it's the devil, yep. and it's God. Yep. But as Christians sometimes, we make this third camp and it's called like weakness. So like when I'm feeling weak, and I'm not up to snuff in my life, I may have had a harder day, but I'm still on God's team, right? I'm still, I'm, still, I'm still playing for that team. And we are, but God says there's two armies. Yes. There's his army and the enemy's army. We, we can't be wishy-washy on that. That's right. Because what happens is, is that our soul defects at times. Yep. And it goes and it plays for the other. You never see those, those when the little ones are playing and they run to the wrong goal, <laughs> right? And they think everybody's cheering and they're, the people on the other team are cheering them. Go, go. And they score, you know, they score. That, like, that's sometimes what we think. Yeah. Because I still carry the name of God. Yeah, and I, I slap that name on there. So I still think even if I'm having a hard season, I'm still doing the work of the Lord. Because mm -hmm. at least I'm not like that over there. Yeah. And the reason that it's important for us to be honest, church, is because every decision that we make 
in this world has an actual effect on the other world, yes. the real world. So I want to do a little bit of a, um, an illustration that I felt like God was showing me um, to just kind of maybe help you feel like what I'm saying. I'm not going to be on a mic, so you'll just have to lean in, but um, just give me a second. So Dan, do you, um, are you like have a good arms, good back, anything hurting on you? Yes, okay, so who's strong for a living? Who, who seems, who's strong who feels like they have a good arm and a good back for me right now? I'm not gonna like, okay, so everyone's sick, got it. So we need to, we need to pray immediately. I, I, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Okay. Do it. All right, come on, you do it. Come on, I can do it. All right, so stand up. Stand up. All right, so hold the stone. I, I'll hold the stone, all right. Okay. This is heavy. Now put it over your head. I'm not that strong. All right, all right, yeah. And now do jumping jacks. I can't do jumping. I can't do jumping jacks when I have a stone in my hand. Figure it out. Uh, uh, Figure all right. Ah, right. uh, uh, yeah, that's great. Thanks. This is awesome. This is great. I love this. You're fine. No. Keep going. No, I'm not. Okay. Everything's fine. Shoulders gonna fall off. It's not heavy. It's it's not heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. I'm going to drop the stone on my head. I'm sweaty now. I need a shower. You couldn't make me just jump up and down. I had to do jumping jacks. You volunteered. I tried to get okay. someone who was strong for a living. Oh, yeah. Everyone apparently needs prayer today. We, <laughs> we need to join a gym. So what was that? In this world where we're living. It's a spiritual world. This is the supernatural world. And no matter what this natural world is telling you, it's fine. It's all good. Yeah. It's going to be fine. It's not that bad. It's not that heavy. From another room, that's, that we have it switched. We think that this, what Kyle was just experiencing, is the natural world, but it's not. The weight that we feel on us is from the supernatural world. Yep. Because that's where this battle is really being fought. True. So when the world, whatever it is, the news, whatever it is, tries to tell you, it's all good. It's going to get better. Mm. And you're carrying this. That's the reality. I asked last week, who can sense something is going on in yeah. our world? Yeah. And I was astonished at how many hands went up. Because no matter what an outside force tells you is fine, it's not heavy, it's not hard, it's all good, you know the weight yes. that your spirit is picking up on. And that's what we have to acknowledge today is that there's two battles. Yes. We're always in it. The enemy never tires. He doesn't run out of strategy. Yep. He doesn't forget about you. He doesn't stop targeting you. And yep. God is not the one telling us that everything's fine. I feel like somebody needs to hear that. God is not the one telling you everything's good. Sometimes we feel the responsibility yep. to be like, but it's all good. But it's all, everything's fine. Sometimes it's not fine. Yep. And us acknowledging that inside the framework of how good God is and how faithful God is and that's how true. brave he makes us, that's a good thing because it's, it's the truth. Jesus asked the blind man, what do you want? He said, I want my sight. Mm -hmm. He acknowledged that there was something missing. 
There was yes. something not there, yes. something not good. But the trust was in Jesus to be able to do what only Jesus could do. Exactly. And so what I want to bring home to us today is if you're feeling this weight, it could very well be the weight of the truth. Mm. It could very well be the weight of the truth. Because I think that we need to learn how to handle the weight of the truth instead of sizing it down and trying to disarm it with a lie yeah. and saying that it isn't what it is. Yeah. And that's, the, that's why God is so good with giving us his word because he doesn't tell us to dumb it down. Correct. He tells us to bring it into the light, to acknowledge what it is, and then he equips us on how to deal with it. Yeah, D, that's so good. I think, I think, um, I think what D was just talking about really does uh, put light and it, it, it makes, it helps us understand what makes certain parts of the Bible kind of so, so difficult for us to, to wrestle with. Um, because there's this spiritual battle that's going on all around us. There's this internal battle for control and for who's gonna, whose voice are we going to listen to and who's going to have the final say on what is real, what is real. Uh, you know, uh, you, we can see the same news story and you're going to have two different people, two different sides telling you that that story is fake news, right? Because there's all, who, who's going to determine for you what is really truth in the world around us? What is really truth about what the word says? And it, at times it makes it difficult because we're in this spiritual battle uh, and this internal battle that's going on. And I think we've been talking a lot about how people have been feeling heavy. There's this heaviness, and some of it comes from the weight of the truth, and some, some heaviness, and, and this is where uh, there's freedom if we grab a hold of this. Some heaviness actually comes because we as men and women of God are oppressed. I don't mean by uh, legal forces. I mean by spiritual forces. Now, don't get me wrong. A, a Christian can't be possessed. A Christian, there's only room for one spirit inside of you. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. But many Christians... Especially many people who have been walking in the, I will say, in the American church for years, I believe are oppressed. That's the weight of heaviness that we feel. How do we get oppressed in our life? Because we have given the enemy too much ground to occupy. We've allowed the enemy to get too close to us. So the constant ground that he, 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 he is uh, in proximity in our life, the constant pressure... It's a press that he's pressing the grape on every side until the grape is dry. And that's why we're feeling dry. And then what ends up happening is we normalize op op oppression. We call it, I'm just heavy. I I'm just kind of, I'm just having a tough day, a tough week. I I'm just feeling kind of burnt out. No, no, no. It's spiritual oppression. You've got to recognize the schemes of the enemy that the enemy is trying to do to squeeze the grape inside of you. Because the drier you are, the less you have to commune with God and the less you have to give away for God. And so, so many of us at times are walking around in the spiritual oppression, normalizing it. But the thing is, we've got, we have the answer. His name is Jesus. We have the answer. It's the sword of the spirit. We have not, like I said earlier, we are not defenseless. We, we, are not, we, are not, we are not just innocent bystanders that have to make it to heaven. He has put weapons in our hands so that we can actually live this thing out. But, 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 but it may, well, this, this reality makes certain things that the Bible says, like when James writes in James 1, verse 2, 
When James writes, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when we go through trials of various kinds. And make sure that you keep going in this faith, right? Persevere in this faith so that after you've persevered, you'll become mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a difficult command in the natural. See, the first thing that I'll say is I'm really glad that God cares about our mental and emotional state. Right? So he says, I get it. When you go through trials and circumstances, our natural reaction is to be heavy. Our natural reaction is to give too much ground to the enemy to occupy in our mind, in our hearts, and in our life. And the circumstance begins to speak to us. So he's like, look, I'm, I'm interested in that, but this is what I know. Our natural mind does not think this way. Our natural mind does not go, going through it, baby. Yeah, God. We don't. I know there's some super Christians in the room, that, but the, the truth is we don't. Our natural mind doesn't do that. And, and, and why I'm pointing that out is this, because the Greek word for consider, or it, your, 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 your version may say count it all as, as essential, is actually an imperative verb. It means it's a command. It's a command of God. And I think what makes it difficult to respond to this command is that the place from which we make decisions, our heart, the seed of our emotions is being influenced by the circumstance. The place of our decision making, our heart is being influenced by and oppressed by the voice of the enemy as Daniel just read. The schemes, the things that we've let in, the voices that we've given that we think are just kind of just voices that are out there. Every voice that isn't of God that's out there, come on somebody, is a voice of oppression that is actually skewing the way that we see life. That's why the Bible says so clearly, uh, Psalm says so clearly in Proverbs 4.23, that we have to guard our hearts with all diligence, like with everything. Why? Because out of it flow the issues of our life. But here's the rub, and this, is, this, this can be really liberating for some of us who are feeling heavy, some of us who may be uh, feeling oppressed today and feeling the press, that the Bible only commands us to do what is contrary for the natural man to do. The Bible only commands us to do what, the natural man, what is contrary for the natural man to do. Well, what does that mean? It means he only commands what we can't do on our own. If we could do it, he doesn't need to command it. The Bible says if you and I could follow the law, Jesus would have died for nothing. We can't do in our own power from the right place, come on somebody, what God commands us to do. So if we just stop there, then we get all depressed. And that's why it challenges us, because it's not natural for you and I to do these things. We hear words like praise God or consider it pure joy or tithe or forgive or love someone who has persecuted you. And you go, that's not natural. Exactly. It's not natural to do. So this is what we end up doing. We try to adjust our behavior. We try, we, I, know, I know I should be joyful, babe, so I'm going I'm to just change the way that I'm going to change. I don't want people to think I'm not a good Christian, so I, I adjust my behavior. And then we get more frustrated because we actually know we're not that person, even though we're trying to per show we're that person. Then we actually try to do what we should be doing, but is it from a place of purity? Because he didn't say just have joy. He says have pure joy. Are we, is it pure? And this is what the collision that Dee and I have been talking about, this collision, this is the collision place between being a believer 
of being a disciple. Trying to be good versus trying to be holy. Because believers, we, and I have done this for years. I did it for years and years and years. It's the way I grew up. It's the way my athletic mentality used to be. Is that as believers, we rely on flesh controls. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I am, to, I am going to be joyful. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be joyful because I have, a, I have moral fortitude. I'm going to be a strong Christian today. So, but we all know, all of us know, if we're honest, those things only work for as long as we're, the conviction holds out. And the conviction doesn't last very long. But disciples, they rely on the supernatural to overcome the natural. We rely on the supernatural. Did you notice there that the Bible said that pure joy comes before perseverance? See, in the way that I was raised, the way that I would normally think is, man, i got to persevere. If I persevere, I'll get joy. But the Bible says you get joy before you persevere. Which means pure joy cannot come from myself. I can't manufacture, somebody say amen. I can't manufacture pure joy. I can try to be happier. I can try to be nicer to D when we have a struggle. Right? When when, When we are having a discussion, I can try to be nicer. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. And then I'll be <laughs> Amen. But that's not pure joy. Because pure joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit, this fruit of a, of a relationship that comes from me praying to the Holy Spirit, surrendering to the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit in these times, it produces love, joy. Joy is a production of, uh, of the Holy Spirit. So... The commands of God, this is what I hope we can grab a hold of today. The commands of God are actually our invitation. It's God's invitation to us to meet the Holy Spirit. Every time you and I look at a command of God in the Bible, I want to encourage you to look at it differently now. Instead of looking at it as what I have to do, we get to look at it and say, Man, this is an invitation for me to meet the Holy Spirit because God can only commands what I can't do in the natural. So it's an invitation. It's like when I get to a locked door, it's an invitation for me to actually get to know a key. Because I can't get through the door on my own. I can get to the door on my own. Somebody, I can get to the door. I know all, I, I got all sorts of ways to get to the doors. But when I get to the door, I can't get in. I need the key. It's an invitation. You, you and I, you remember years ago, I got an invitation in the mail to come pray for Congress. And uh, I got a chance to go down there, and, and, and what was so powerful about it, I was so excited, because I knew without the invitation, I would never actually get to meet them. The invitation was the one thing that actually opened the door for me to meet them personally. I could always pray for them at a distance. I could always know about them, read them, send them mails as my senator or my congressman. But for me to meet them personally, they required an invitation. The command of God is the invitation for you to actually meet the Holy Spirit. It is the door that is opened in our life. That's why the Bible says that he brings pure joy. That's why it's not just happiness. Hey, be happy when you go through stuff. You and I can manufacture happiness. Pure joy. Pure means untainted. Without any additives. It's like Evian on the bottle comes from, it comes from the pure source, right? There's no additives. But here's the truth. When we try to follow the commands of God by ourselves, we add things. 
The enemy adds things to the mix. Our emotions add things to the mix. The circumstance adds things to the mix. Insecurity adds things to the mix. Our generational curses add things to the mix. The dysfunction of our families, how we were raised, add things to the mix. So how can we have purity, come on somebody, if without the pure source, we are adding things to the mix? See, the truth is holiness is birthed only from, from within the pure. It's why we face various trials, I think, at times in our life. Because, and I'm going to let Dee talk about the Holy Spirit in just a second. But here's the truth. The command tells us, babe, what holiness looks like. But the trial, the trial we go through, reveals who is the only one that can produce holiness in the midst of it. The command says this is what it should be. This is what holiness looks like. But the trial shows me since I can't do it on my own. He's the only one that introduces me to the who. And if Jesus had to go through suffering, come on. If Jesus had to go through suffering to overcome what, nat- what was in natural man, I'm just saying maybe, just maybe, you and I, there are some things we can learn about our own natural man by going through stuff. Maybe, just maybe. Maybe the command is the invitation to realize Man, I I really don't need to become the better person. I need to get to know the better person. Maybe that's the invitation. Isn't that encouraging? It changes the way we see the word. Like instead of now, oh my gosh, I have to do something. It's the realization, I can't do this. But there's one who can. I was telling Dee the other day, my freshman year in college, we had, um, we had, uh, Mandatory study hall. I played football, so we had mandatory study hall for, for the first year in college. I, I, you say that like we're supposed to feel bad for you. You had mandatory, because you know nobody studies in the study hall, so it's basically a mandatory nap. No, we this had tutors. What I'm they made us have, they made us, they, they. I know, I know. Poor the problem child. was not me Four going to study hall. Pants. The problem was me going to <laughs> class. But that's a different story, and it messes up this story. But the truth is this, like when I was in, <laughs> when, when we had study hall, I was struggling with calculus, but I was like doing awesome in history. And part of the reason I was struggling with calculus is because I really couldn't understand the teacher very well. And because I couldn't understand the teacher very well, I got disinterested in what he was trying to teach me. Anybody? Amen. I got disinterested in what, and I talked myself out of actually needing it in my life. And... I was having problems in calculus, but I was doing well in history. Do you know what my tutor didn't give me? History problems. My tutor just kept putting math problems in front of me. And more math problems, and more math problems, and more math problems. And just because I finally figured out how to solve one math problem, when I got the solution for one math problem, my tutor didn't go, oh good, we're done. Because she understood that I didn't understand calculus yet. I understood how to get through the, so, the, pro, the, the problem, but I didn't understand calculus. Some of us are happy to get through the problem without actually getting to ever know the revelation of the Holy Spirit that he's trying to teach us through keep giving us those problems.
Wow. All right, I take back what you said about study hall because I didn't do calculus. So. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't either, by the way. <laughs> Would have helped to show up to class occasionally. Um, if you're in school, go to class. <laughs> um, I, was, I was talking to Kay about how do you introduce someone to someone else? And I feel like that has to happen more in the church yeah. and in this church when it comes to the spirit of God. So I was thinking to myself, you know, if someone said to me, Danielle, in 30 seconds, tell people who Jesus was uh, without talking to them about the crucifixion. Assume the person that you're talking about knows about his death and resurrection. How would you explain who Jesus was? So I was like, well, he was born to Mary and Joseph, and uh, we know this one story where he kind of, they lost track of him, and he was, you know, speaking in the synagogue, or, or correct me if no, I get No, you got it, you got it, yeah. yeah. So, and, good. and then we, we have this beautiful moment where we see uh, Jesus is baptized, and we hear the Father say to him, well done, my good and faithful servant, and then he begins to, for about three and a half years, really get into people's lives. And his usual contact, point of contact with people is usually where they're in need, yes. where they're hurting, where they're ill, where they're weak, where they're suffering. And all the while, he's, he's telling people about not just himself, but about his Father in heaven. And he's explaining things in very understandable ways. He's using parables. He's explaining things that they see every day. And at the end of this time, he made a decision that he would forgo the power of heaven, but in the power of heaven, go to the cross. Yep. Right? Maybe that's what I would say. Now, if most people said to us, in 30 seconds or less, can you explain the Holy Spirit? Most people would struggle with that. Or at least they wouldn't do it as fluently maybe as they would if we were talking about Jesus. Yes. Right, you with me? Yep. So this is something that I think God bring, is like loves that we're talking about because the enemy brings condemnation about this and makes us feel guilty or shameful or well, I guess if I'm a Christian I should know this. But God gets excited because we're talking about him. And we're talking about getting to know him. Yep. So this is actually a really good thing. And so I started to think about some of the things I have heard people say um, about the Holy Spirit. When, if someone was to ask them what they would say, and they would say, well, um, he gives us wisdom when we need to know stuff. And he... Um, brings awareness to us if we don't know things like he, he'll he'll like bring conviction or he'll teach us stuff um he was he was who jesus sent to us when jesus was going back to heaven he said i'll send another uh so he sent him and um he's supposed to be pretty holy i know that <laughs> it's in his name he's the holy spirit tag, yeah. so i guess he would have something to do with holiness for me and um, I think he's really smart. Like, he's got that wisdom thing. Down. So can any of you relate to me when I say yeah, this? Absolutely. Right? So 
what we end up doing, church, is we actually end up explaining the Holy Spirit as a what. As a what. And not a who. Yes. Right? Because when Jesus came and we read the word, we see him. He's, he's in human form. So we can relate to him as a human being. Yes. But you throw the Holy Spirit in the mix, and I don't have a human form to connect to, so I automatically feel like there is a distance here. Yep. And I've wrote some things down that'll help you understand this even more. So in the Word, it says that he is our comforter, our helper, our teacher, yep. our reminder, our testifier to the Father. He's the truth teller, because he will guide us in all truth. He's our translator. He makes us understand and helps us understand the things of God. So good. He's our interceder. But this is kind of what we do. Well, he, he brings me comfort. So we immediately take who he is, and we put it through the filter yeah. of what he offers me is how it becomes a what you follow me yep. he is comforter but if i am trying to get to know him i immediately without even realizing it i downshift into what do you have for me so you bring me help instead of realizing he is the helper capital yes. h yes right so Oh, he is wisdom. No, I say, well, he makes me understand stuff more. Yeah. But he is wisdom. Right? Do you hear the difference? Totally. So why does it matter? Because this is the, this is the heart of what I wanted to share today. Because when we find ourselves in those oppressive seasons, those weary seasons, the heavy-laden seasons, the worrisome seasons. Remember, cumulative weariness yes. and compounded grief. When we feel ourselves living under that mm. reality of truth, no matter what is telling us it's not true, we say something like this, gosh, I need, I need more understanding. I don't really know what's going on. So the word shows us that we can have greater understanding if we go to wisdom. Yes. If we go to him, if we talk to him, we're, we're trying to have a greater portion of him. But if we're just going for the help, for the understanding, for the insight, for the compassion, for the comfort, then everything becomes subjective to whether I receive it or not. Correct. So when we have a real problem and I talk to Kyle and he gives me his opinion, I get to decide whether I'm taking it or leaving it. Right. Because he's just giving me some wise counsel. But when the counselor is on the table and I go to him, he's giving me a portion of himself. Yes. So when I don't yield to him, I am rejecting him. Mm. Not his comfort, not his understanding not his insight. I'm rejecting him, the comforter, the source of wisdom. Do you see the difference? Totally. Now, think about this. What happens to you in normal relationships when someone has rejected you, I don't know, 
five times a day for the last year. <laughs> yeah, you're Do out. you stay close? Right? Because how, how frustrated do you get when you, you know the people, they, what do you think I should do? You tell them, and then they go to somebody else, and it's like a sponge. They listen, they take it in, they go to the next person, and they tell you how great the other person's advice was in the end. And now, you do that one time, two times, 25,000 times. Yeah. I'm out, because you don't want what I have to say. What we have to realize is that it's the greatest tactic of the enemy when it comes to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yes. He has let the church change the Holy Spirit from a who to a what, so that every portion of himself that he offers us for the very times that we're in are on the table as subjective. And then we create distance and wonder why we don't feel intimate with the Holy Spirit. Well, it must be because he's just kind of like this vague thing. Right. But you know what's never vague to people? When they know when they're asking for help, they know what that looks like. When people are asking for wisdom, they know what they're asking for. When people are asking for the truth, they know what they're asking for. We're asking for pieces of the Holy Spirit. We're asking for portions of yes. him to be revealed. Yes. It's not some theology. Correct. It's not another end. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. So when we say, yeah, I know that you would, um, you would probably counsel me to do this, that, and other thing, but you know what? That's, that's not my jam. I'm, I'm gonna go in this direction. What we are doing is we are pulling ourselves closer to our soul, closer to the enemy, and further yes. from the Spirit of God. So I, I want you to be encouraged today to see he's not moving. Correct. There is not some game that the Spirit of God is playing, trying to keep you wondering how to, uh, how to lasso him. He is the truth, so he stays the same. Yes. He is founded in the truth, and he will never move. He knows the exact counsel you need. You need. He knows the help. He knows the understanding. He knows it all, and he doesn't ever withhold it from you. But the more that you make it as subjective as somebody else's opinion, the harder it is going to be for you to even understand that it's the Holy Spirit testifying to you about the truth of God. Correct. Because it sounds so much to you like just another opinion. And then the enemy throws in condemnation there. So right. even if you start to sniff out, this might be holy. This might be what God has for me to do. You feel so guilty that you, with, you, you, you pull in from him. So when Kyle, what Kyle said today is true, church, so when we hear like these commands, they're invitations. Correct. Because he already knows we cannot do that on our own, but it must be attainable or else he wouldn't tell us. That's right. That's right. Right? So when That's he says right. consider it pure joy, Correct. he's not telling you something Correct. that you cannot attain. That's impossible. But he's also telling you that the way that for you to attain it is to come near to the Holy Spirit yes. who will make that attainable yes, for you. Yes. And, it, and you know what? That's the thing about the goodness of God. It gets so slippery because you can use this as another tool in your Christian tool belt so easily. Oh, that's what's been missing. That'll give me the edge. Yep. The that's it's the Holy Spirit thing that she's talking about. That's how I'm going to have the insight. That's how I'm going to feel more comforted. And the, and the truth is, you will, because the goodness of God as the comforter, 
brings comfort. Right. Right? As right. a teacher, he teaches us. And we always benefit because that's how he is. So we just have to ask him to help us be pure in our motivation to come near to him. Correct. There will always be a benefit of who he is into our lives. But just like you are in re most relationships, you want someone to come near to you just because they want they to. They want to. They, they just they want to be around you. They, they love you. They, they enjoy you. They think you're funny. They think you're smart. You, they, they just, they have an honor of you. Correct. They have a, there, there's a certain amount of sweet reverence they have when they think of you. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. He makes himself available because he wants to be with us. Yes. There, there's no hidden agenda here. Correct. He tells us he wants, you know, we talk about how Jesus, God sent Jesus. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he had to be willing to be sent. Correct. Otherwise, he would have been down here kicking and screaming, I don't want to be here for these people. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not ready to die for this yeah, one. Right. This one's a knucklehead. But in the, in the same way, yes, God sent the advocate. Yeah. But he chose to be sent to us. Correct. He chose us. He could have been like, you know what? I can give them some understanding from afar. Yes. Like, I don't need to dwell with them. But he chose to dwell. He chose it's the only way to, to be know. a who to us. It's the only way to really know somebody. You know, church, can, let me encourage you. Um, because what Danielle's saying is so deep and so real. And the enemy's going to whisper condemnation right now. Going to whisper guilt. Going to whisper distraction. But in it, and even, even a sense of heaviness, we were driving in today and we said, you know, it's so easy for there to be, uh, to feel heavy during times like this, because that's exactly what the enemy's trying to do, oppress you, so that you can't, so that you stay oppressed longer. Um, but the Holy Spirit, God is not a conference speaker. God is not a conference speaker. I, th I think in America right now, we love being able to get a good 10-minute TED Talk. We love, uh, we love being able to, you know, we'll pay for a good, uh, you know, seminar to go to or a good conference and, and clap to a conference speaker um, and that's about as much of investment as, as we want but see my God's not a conference speaker he's a covenant maker and, and covenant is different than conference conference uh, I can listen to a conference speaker and go I'll take I'll take a little here I disagree there how many I mean like I go I used to go to conferences all the time and I'd be like yeah that that's a good point but I'm not sure that that theology is a little whacked I'll take a little here that's good but but God's not a conference speaker. He's a covenant maker. Um, and, and so Dee and I have a covenant together. It's called marriage. Um, I, before we got married, I knew that she could sing. I could tell you certain things about her. I knew that she could sing. I, I knew that she went to school for music. I, I knew that she lived in Jersey. I, I knew that she used to ride horses. I, there were things that I kind of knew. I could, I could tell you kind of what she did. But because we are married now, because there's a covenant, because there's a who behind the what, I can tell you the why. I can actually tell you who she is. She's not a singer. She's a worshiper. She, 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 she's not just a good teacher. She's a deep thinker. She, she, she doesn't just talk about the Holy Spirit, she actually has a relationship that's deep with him that comes as an overflow of these things. So some of the things that you may hear her speak from a platform, come on, you may get the what, but the who is because I've in a covenant with her. I know her. 
And that's what God's trying, that's what Dee's trying to say in this moment is, is that we can't treat the Holy Spirit like some outsource to come and solve our problem. The problem is not the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to solve. The problem is the, is the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to bring a revelation of who he is. So the more that I solved those math problems, the more I understood, come on, the more I understood calculus. The more that you and I go through the trials, live through the commands that we can't get through on our own, but we can overcome because we are an overcomer in Jesus, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, because the same spirit that was in Jesus that raised him from the dead now dwells inside of me, we are not overcomers because we go to church. We're not overcomers because we wear the Christian t-shirt. We're not overcomers because we can quote a Bible verse. We are overcomers because we are in Jesus Christ and the same spirit that raised him from the dead now dwells inside of me. But my, but my answer to the solution to my problem, he's not there just to be the solution to my problem. He's there to be the revelation of who God is at a deeper level. So sometimes we're just like, yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. I got my answer. Whoop. And he's trying to say, yep, you solved the problem, but you still don't understand calculus. That's why the Bible says we keep going through these things so that we can become mature, not lacking anything. I can't tell you how many times that I've heard people say, look, the Bible says you, shall, you will lack for nothing. No, 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 no. The Bible says when you've gone through the trials understood the Holy Spirit, brought his purity that brings holiness, that will create maturity. Then out of that, there's a lack for nothing. These are, this is why the promise is so important. The blood, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus frees us from every judicial element that heaven has against you. Let me say that again. The blood of Jesus frees you from every judicial element of heaven that heaven has against you. That means everything that sin judicially bears with it. Punishment, hell, come on, right? Eternal separation from God, the inability to actually come to him. That is what it does, it, it judicially. But Jesus said, it's not enough. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Why? So it's your advantage. So that you don't only have to hope that someday I'm saved from hell and heaven, but I get to live victoriously knowing who God is now. So why do we have math problems that keep coming up? Because we've learned how to solve the solution to the problem. But we're still lacking the revelation of calculus, of the spirit. The reason we're bringing this up, guys, is at the end of the day, our hope and our desire is that we're looking around in, in America in particular and seeing so many men and women of God who for years and years and years have gone to church, carried the name of Christian, are saved, are going to heaven, but are feeling so heavy, so oppressed. I can't tell you how many texts. How many emails from pastors who love God with everything they got? But there's a reason why there's been an up in suicide 
in Christians and in pastors. Because this thing called oppression is real. The heaviness you're feeling is real. We're just trying to get out of it the wrong way. White knuckling it, religion, just saying, quoting a scripture, I gotta know the one who is the solution. I can't just seek the solution. I gotta know the one who is the solution to heaven. I cannot just get the solution. I need to know the one who is the solution. And when I know the one who is the solution, the more, the more and more he brings me into maturity, the more and more he brings joy in the midst of the time when my natural self would be mad or pretend or play or front. Come on. How many times have we fronted as a Christian? I'm good. I'm blessed by the best. I'm good. I'm blessed by the blood. It's all under the blood. Really? Because you're cussing under your breath. Really? Because the way you're driving right now tells me... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Like, I, I'm not interested in here being believers. I'm interested in being disciples. There's got to be a shift. A believer says, through flesh restraints, I just won't go there anymore. I won't, I, 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 I'll cancel my subscription to that channel. It doesn't change what's in our heart. The only thing that can create that is the Holy Spirit. The commands of God are an invitation to meet him. And every time I look at it, I should go, wow, what an open door I've got. Because I can't, but he can. Moses, who are you? Who are you? I am. I am. I am, I am. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray today. And I'm going to pray, and I hope if you're here today and you've been feeling heavy or burdened or oppressed, you may not have called it oppression, but that is exactly what it is. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 8, that there's an enemy that, ro 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 that roams around looking for someone to devour. He doesn't need to try to devour people who don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. That scripture is being written to the church. There's an enemy that wants to devour your joy, devour your peace, devour your hope. He wants to press you and press you and press you and oppress you until every grape of the Holy Spirit that is inside of you is dried out. And you, can't, you don't want to understand the teacher. You don't understand the teacher. You're frustrated with the process. You don't even want to go to the class any longer. That is exactly what the enemy is trying to do. And he's winning left and right in the house of God. Because we've forgotten the one who can set us free. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. The nature and the person of the Holy Spirit. I am free. Because the same spirit that dwelled in Christ dwells in me. If that is what you are looking for today, I'm going to pray right now. And if you are feeling at all oppressed or heavy, I'm going to pray right now. If you just, if, if you feel free just lifting up your hands, I'm going to pray right now that the Holy Spirit just comes and touches you where you are because I can't, but He can. I'm not promising you the Holy Spirit. The Word of God promises you the Holy Spirit. He says when you need Him to cry out to constantly be filled with the infilling of the One who can change everything. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each and every person that is lifting up their hands right now, that has felt heavy, that has felt burdened, that has felt oppressed. In the name of Jesus, we silence the voices, Lord God. We shatter the strongholds in Jesus' name. Father, your name, the name of the Lord, is a strong tower. Those of us who run into it, they shall be saved, Lord God. Every weapon that the enemy has been casting out us shall not prosper. They have no power in the name of Jesus. We stand baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost this morning, Lord God, when we are being empty, when we are being squeezed, if we've been pressed out and we are as dry as a raisin in the name of Jesus, pour your Holy Spirit into us today, afresh and anew. Here we are. Here we are. You said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and I will give him a well of living water bursting up from within him. Daddy, that's your word. That is your promise. That is something that the enemy cannot take. That is something that the enemy cannot quench. That is something that the enemy cannot squeeze out. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Holy Spirit, help us to see not just that you are the solution to my problem, but you are the revelation that my problem reveals. Who you are. Help us to know you. Jesus, we call upon you. We need you. Jesus, 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 the name above every name. Come on, church. Jesus, the name above every name. Come on, some of us need to just start saying to that place that's been oppressing us, you've got no power over me. The Bible says that there's life. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. Some of us need to just start taking authority over the things that have been oppressing us for years. Those lifestyle things that you've kept in the darkness bring to the light even now in the name of Jesus. Don't let a root, uh, uh, don't let that root that is causing division to stay casted out in Jesus' name. The, the Bible says that I will give you power. I will give you power. I will give you power that even the demons have to listen. Even though I cannot be possessed, I will refuse to be oppressed in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to be oppressed. I'm speaking to every wine press in this room to be opened, every vice grip to be unlocked in Jesus' name. Come on, there are some things that you've been going through since you were little that have caused you to be dried out. In the name of Jesus, we release you from those things. Enemy, we speak to you. There is no room, no power. You release every hold you have on people today. Every mindset, every lie we cast down and rip out in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, help us to see. Church, not by might. Come on, we're going we're gonna to end in a second. Not by might, but I got something in my spirit. Not by might. Not by might, not by my actions, my good deeds. I can't pay God off. I can't entitle myself to a breakthrough. Not by might, nor by my own power. I can't make it happen. I can't hype it up to happen. Not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. There are some people in our, there, there, there are some co-workers. There are some co-workers who are still bound by the chains of darkness because we are still being oppressed by fear. 
There are some family members that are still bound up in sickness. Come on. Because we are still being pressed and oppressed by insecurity. There are some things that have shackled you in the, in the darkness that have been in your life for so long that have brought shame to you. There are some of us in this room right now that are so internally bound by shame and guilt over the things we've done or are doing. That is exactly where the enemy wants to oppress you and keep you. But the Bible says, in Christ there is no condemnation. You speak to that oppression right now. You tell it to go to hell. Not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. So today, 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 Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit come. Hey, worship team, can you guys come back up here for a second? Church, will you stand with me? We didn't have this plan, but I'm just feeling my spirit right now that we need to go back to sing that song one last time. Before, before, before we end service, before we take offering, before we get out of here, come on. You don't have to walk out the same way you walked in today. I'm not talking about just being a better Christian. I'm talking about being set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by, by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What a promise. Yahweh, 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 Yahweh. Moses, tell my people, tell Pharaoh, tell the enemy to let my people go, somebody. Moses, I am who I am. Tell Pharaoh, tell the enemy to let my people go. Moses, I am, I am. Tell Pharaoh, the enemy, to let my people go. Listen to the voice of the Lord over your life. He is shouting from the corridors of eternity, let my people go. Come on, Jakey, come on.
holy is the Lord God. All the earth replies, holy is your name. The whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord God Daddy, today we cry out to you because we don't want to be just believers who carry a theology. We want to be disciples that follow a king. Whatever needs to be shaped in us, shape it. Whatever needs to go through the fire to be refined, refine it. Whatever blind eye needs to be opened so that we can see who you are, open it. Whatever ear that has been deafened by the noise and the bang of the enemy's drum, let it hear today. In Jesus' name. You know, church, we're just not even going to sit. I'm just... Uh, we're going to keep playing this for a moment. Uh, enable you to stay here if you'd like but I, I, I want to just give us an opportunity just to bring to your attention and invite you into the opportunity to give today as well and the beautiful thing about the way that we give now is that we can still have these moments without kind of being interrupted by buckets going through and people passing and there's no pressure on you to give, but you can give using these envelopes that are there and just drop them in the kiosks when and you leave, whether it's in just a few moments or in moments after that. You can give on your phone or on your computer. You can set up auto-tithe, which is always great. But I want to let you know your giving makes a difference. It really does. I'm not just saying that. But we were able to buy a generator for a hospital in, in Haiti without even thinking about it this week as an immediate response to a need because you've given. Notice we didn't take an offering for Haiti last week. We, we didn't send out a flyer that says, hey, we're in need. It's because you give. The Bible says bring it into the storehouse so when there's a need, we get to respond. What a great God. That's what he did with the Holy Spirit. He brings us into this. He brings it into the storehouse so when there's a need, he responds. But we want to thank you for giving and being a part of that. But I want to stay here for just a moment. So service is going to end. I'm just going to pray. Service is going to end. But if you want to stay for a few more moments, because I really feel the Holy Spirit is setting some people free. I want to encourage you. One last thing before I go, before we end. If you feel the Holy Spirit's doing something in you right now, don't head for that door. I've walked out on so many moments that could have been life-altering. They were life, they gave me life memories. I remember the rooms that I was in when the Holy Spirit was moving. I remember them, but they could have been life-altering. I'm not trying to convince anybody to stay or to go, but I'm just saying if the Holy Spirit is doing something, give them room today for a few moments. Don't walk out the same way you walked in. There's a breakthrough. Can someone say amen? There's a breakthrough. There's a breakthrough. There's a breakthrough. There's a breakthrough in the room. So can we just... So, again, church is officially over. So 
if you wouldn't mind talking, if you're going to talk out in the chat room and just letting uh, everybody have that respected space. And we're just going to have a few more moments of music and just letting you reflect. Love you, church. Thank you.